On today's show, ranking the Houston Rockets' core six prospects, Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, Amin Thompson, and Cam Whitmore, their ceiling and floor level potentials, and which two absolutely need to pan out for this Houston Rockets rebuild to work. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And I want to say a huge Thank you to everybody subscribed to the YouTube channel. We just broke 10,000 subscribers. So shout out to you. Shout out to all the everydayers. Thank you so much, whether you listen on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym, whether you're subscribed on the podcast feed, the YouTube feed, whatever. Thank you so much for making LOR part of your day every single day. And joining us now is none other than the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bijani, who you can track down on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider here for what is going to be a very divisive episode where we're going to piss off a lot of people. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because on today's show, we are going to be ranking the Rockets core six prospects moving forward and this is kind of a this has been a topic that Rockets fans have been discussing the last few days and it's something that we definitely wanted to tackle here on the show and just to lay the frame the framework for how we're going to approach this is we're going to work ourselves backwards from starting with number six and then five four all the way down to who we think the most important prospect of the Rockets rebuild is of their six draftees so with that, and without further ado, wait, 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 hold, Ali, on, hold on, no, no, hold on, hold on, what? Who's in that core? Who's in that? What do you mean? Who's in that core? Who do you think? Like, who's core? considered in that six? I said draftees. Oh, so okay, okay. Yeah, so, then, uh, wait, hold up. For our listeners, for our listeners, Cam Whitmore, Amen Thompson, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, Jalen Green, and Alperin Shingun. Yes, Is that correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Those six, those six names. Oh, what's 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 so interesting about it? Well, was that was that my list of six in order? Oh, we'll Ooh, see. it okay. might have been, oh, dude. If if you put Cam Whitmore at the top of the list, starting things off, then that's a that's a spicy hot take. That's a spicy meatball. All right. So just to and to preface, he might come up at some point in the conversation, but yes, there is no Kevin Porter Jr. included in this six because we are focused on the draftees for now. So with that, Ali Khan. We're going to start with our number six on this list. I'm going to let you drive the bus and go first for a moment. <laughs> this was hard um, because I think whoever is on the last position of these oh, wait, six. Should, wait, 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 before we, before we even dive into the list, like should we maybe establish some parameters for like what? Because 
like so, there's so many factors to consider, right? When you're looking at how you're ranking these oh, prospects. I, right I was going to say, and I, yeah, I, I think for me personally, when I'm making my list, okay. Me personally, it's as of this moment today, based off what I know with my eyes and what I have seen is, is, is going to be what I use to make my list. Now it could change. We could see ourselves one month to the season having a brand new list. We, and we will definitely probably very likely have a brand new list going in to the next offseason. But for right now, this list, Jackson, is based off of today. After Summer League, today, what we feel like is best. So having all the available information right now, are you projecting anything forward, though, of what you think some of these guys might be? Is that is well, that I mean, your projection? Yeah, realistically, or... I mean, any conversation. I mean, like, if we're – if look, I, I have not been on Twitter much this week. I've been really busy doing work. But I will tell you, like, at least when – People have been sharing tweets with me. There's been a lot of conversation about like ranking who's top, whatever. And I feel like a lot of it, like you have to project. I mean, it's, you have to take into consideration the future stuff. Right. But I'm only going to use based off what I see today. I'm not going to think about, Oh, what if this or that or whatever, I'm going to just use what I have today and see if that can translate based off the knowledge I have. Now you can disagree with me. I'm not here to try to like push a narrative. I'm just here to try to show you, kind of what I think is the best right now. I'm not trying to like push an ear about a player. He's, he's, pre- he's prepping himself for the slander that he's about to receive. All right. No, All right. Just, we, we, we've we've prefaced this enough. We've teed this up. All right. Give us your number six on the list right now. Yeah. My number six is Tari Eason. And I think a lot of people may have Tari Eason. I would venture to say he could end up being in the top four or three. And I'll, and I'll tell you why he's such a mixed bag. I think he could, he has a ceiling. Nobody can really figure out. We've talked about this. Um, on a previous show, what Tari Eason can be. And for me, he's a guy with untapped potential. He's showing that he can improve as a ball handler. Um, he has great ball instincts in terms of defensively. You know, gambling, we talk about the comparisons to Trevor Ariza. I don't think they're the same player, but at least in terms of that skill and gambling and calculating when to kind of help, you know, when he's on the nail or when he's digging, when, when doing those things, he's very good at it. And that's going to continue to improve for him as he gets more uh, playing time uh, with the Rockets and the way Ime Doka will use him uh, per, uh, in, in, on the perimeter defensively. But for me right now, just based off of where he is, I think he has the highest floor. And so with that in mind, highest for, the highest floor player for me is Tari because you're going to be able to play him in a eight-man rotation no matter where that is. It could potentially be somewhere where he's in that top three or four player you know, playing in your rotation. But right now he is in my eight man rotation. He's going to be there at number six for me. I want, I want everybody to know that Ali Khan and I have not discussed our lists going into this. Whenever we do these types of shows, we don't discuss them beforehand, which is so much more fun because we're going into this both blind and we have no idea what the other has picked. And sometimes that leads to some really fun episodes and other times it leads to a complete train wreck. I am very nervously awaiting us unfolding the rest of these lists because I have this sneaking suspicion that he and I might actually have identical lists of six here, which is going to be really fun watching develop across this episode because I also have Tari at six for a lot of the same reasons. You do have to factor in his floor as a player. And we just kind of don't know what his true ceiling is, right? I think, uh, you know, for a long time, we've kind of almost painted Tari into this corner of, okay, he's going to be a 3 and D wing. That's what he is as an NBA player. That's what he's going to be. That's what he's going to thrive as. But 
especially even just now in summer league, right? We started to see him maybe step outside of that box a little bit, right? Have some of the drive and kick game, some of the playmaking ability, depending on what type of defensive force he becomes, right? If he's an, you know, a DPOY caliber type player, I think that almost elevates him out of just purely three and D caliber type player, especially if he starts adding just a few more wrinkles to his offensive game. So it is really tough to kind of envision what his true ceiling is, but for that, yeah. but because of that, and because of some of what some of the other guys have on the roster, I have I have to put him at six for now. Yeah. Look, there's two things I saw Tari really improve on in summer league. He really improved on his dribbling. Um, it still has a long ways to go, and that's going to come because he's shown that it's going to come. Um, and also, like what I mean by dribbling is being able to make decisions as a ball handler when he drives. Right, he made some of those passes out to the perimeter once he draw, drew in a defense. Um, he, he did those things. And then second is being able to consistently hit the three ball. He hit some pull-up threes. He hit some catch-and-shoot threes. That's going really well. That shows me that he's improving. And I could be very wrong here, but right now I have him at six. And whoever I have at five, I'm going to preface that I, you could easily make the switch with Tari at five and the player who I have at five at six. And we're going to get to who we have at five on our respective lists here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run of the game. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, one wrinkle that I do want you listening right now to this podcast to consider as we're navigating our rankings of core six. One, I want you to throw your ranking of the core six in the YouTube comment. And then the bonus here is I want you to consider which two of the Rockets core six prospects need to pan out. The two that if they panned out and they hit their upper echelon potential ceiling, whatever the Rockets are going to be sitting pretty and in the best possible position to compete for titles down the line. That's something that I want you to consider, but Ali Khan, let's get to number five on our respective lists. I'll take the first stab at this one. Uh, since I let you go first on six, I've got Cam Whitmore at five. Are you the same or are you different? I am the same. Jackson. Okay. All right. So see, we're, we're on a similar Train of thought, at least look, for now, through these first two spots. I'm going to acknowledge something, Jackson, to our listeners. You know, when, when you're looking at Cam and the men, wherever we have him ranked here, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they both played extremely well in Summer League. And I will tell you from talking to scouts, especially these last two weeks, Summer League should not be what you use as, as determining whether or not a player is going to be successful in the NBA. It's absolutely not. Now, there are things that a player can do in summer league in terms of how they played within their role or played within the team that can translate. And there are things that both Cam and Amen did, but they also dominated in a way with their body and their physical size that gets you excited, right? And right now, I'm riding that wave of excitement with Cam Whitmore, okay? And so that being said, maybe 
I'm and I'm very likely overreacting and putting him at at five. I could very well put Tari at five and potentially higher. And I'm going to acknowledge that bias that comes from not having watched Cam in an NBA setting, but only have watched him in a summer league setting. But what I saw in summer league really excited me to a point where, you know what, I put him there because of his scoring and how I told you in a previous episode, Cam Whitmore's body is the most NBA-ready body any of these Rockets rookies have had in the last three years. And when you talk to opposing scouts, they all talk about his body is good. It's just about whether or not he can play within a role and be successful, and I think he can. Yeah, and, and I think you you mentioned as we were kind of wrapping up segment one there that you could very easily flip either of the guys that we had at five or six respectively. And I'm kind of right there, right? I even, I was struggling with it there for a minute too, thinking, should I put Tari above Cam right now? I think part of it is you envision the offensive impact that Cam will have, you know, a little bit further down the line, how he's going to be able to manipulate the game offensively. You see some of that already right now, how he is just a force to be reckoned with when he takes guys off the dribble. He needs to unlock that next step in his game, being able to facilitate at a higher level for his teammates. But we've discussed and we've talked about that with his skills coach, Aaron Miller and that that's a focus for him and and part of the game that he's trying to grow and understand he's also just 19 right he is the youngest of this crop just of six guys so um, there there is I have a one more thing massive more thing, for him no I have one more thing Jackson on him it, 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 the, th- the thing with Cam is like you talk about like being able to make those passes for me it's not about making passes or making reads or making assists just for the sake of him to develop into a playmaker it's for him to use that experience and having to make those reads and make those assists to have a better feel for the game, right? To be able to play the game and know his spots on the court. Right now, he was in a role in summer league where he had those reps sometimes where they put him in situations where he had to do it. But he oftentimes were also starting the possession in the slot or in the corner. As he gets better, he's going to be comfortable making plays out of both of those positions as well as when he has the ball in his hands where he thrived in summer league, right? And to me, when he spends time in the G League or you know, if he continues to develop here in the summer – I need to see that consistency when he ha- when he has the ball in his hands versus when he does not and he's lined up in the corner or the slot and making those reads in, in terms of feel for the game. And, ju- and again, just attacking from different spots on the court, right, which he's going to exactly. get, depending on what his reps look like next season. I mean, whether he's with RGV or, you know, at the NBA level with the Rockets, he's going to get many more opportunities to attack out of different spots of the floor. And that's where I think we're really going to see him start to flourish when he's able to play off of potentially guys like Alperin Shingun, Amin Thompson, Jalen Green, right? And being able to attack from different spots on the floor, not necessarily having to be that primary initiator, which he was for a good fair bit of summer league. And there were times when it looked really good and he looked comfortable doing it. And then there were times where it looked a little rough and tumble where you were like, okay, if he had somebody out there creating for him and if he was able to attack off of a secondary action, then things would look a lot cleaner on the court. So we've got six and five out of the way, and this is where things are going to get dicey very quickly here. And we're not, we're about to, we're about to both lose so many brownie points. You go first. Cause I already know who you have. <laughs> you know, so he's he's got to defend himself first, which is exactly how you know who he has it for. I went back and which forth. Which is exactly forth. who I have it for, so just say it. I went I went back and forth between Alperin Shangun and Jalen Green. And I've chosen Alperin Shangun at four. That deserves no, that deserves uh where's the where is it? Oh my. There we go. <laughs> That's uh, uh, okay, this is going to be the one that we well, get where's flamed the for. Where, where's, That's exactly how the Shangun stands are reacting right now. They're not getting after it like they're supposed to. <laughs> that one? 
Yeah, they're they're right, man. I'm We're, not getting. We out. we are about to be just collectively branded the Bruno Bruno Fernando stands here at LOR. Okay, it's it's well, it's tough putting Alpi at four. It is. Yeah, yeah. he's got I'm very such. He's right, and and look, we have we have talked up Alpi constantly here at this podcast. But when you look at and this is why it's so it's so tough to find when you're factoring it kind of like they're they're up ceiling. To what we're about to say. That's my thing. But huh? go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, I hope people listen to what we're about to say. Yeah, like look, first off, and this could uh, I think what you said early on very much, you know, holds a lot of weight in this conversation is things could look very different, right? We could get a month into this next season and maybe that growth spurt, maybe the work that LP has put in this offseason, you know, refining his body, strengthening his core, everything that he's been doing lends itself to him looking like a completely different player, but with all like all the good parts and fewer of the bad parts of his game from last season, right? That's a, that's a distinct possibility. And the, the good news is for the Rockets is they're in a fantastic position. The fact that we're even debating amongst these six prospects of who might be the best or who's going to be the worst of these six. It's a great spot to be in after three years of this rebuilding process. But when you look at LP and when you look at, the bar that he would need to clear, I think, to be able to build a team around him or play a certain way, there's just, it's a very specific style of basketball that you have to be fully committed to. And we saw the Denver Nuggets do it with Jokic. We saw the Sacramento Kings do it with Sabonis. It's just one of those things where the Rockets have to be either fully bought in. You can't be one foot in, one foot out with him. Otherwise, it's going to look like it did last year, right? Where you have moments where he does things in the post where you give him the ball and maybe he makes something happen. And then you have other moments where he's basically being boiled down to just being a rim runner, which isn't his strength, right? He can do that and he can be a pick and roll and a rim running threat, but that's not the best way to utilize him. And I think that's the catch 22 that I'm having here is. I don't know if we're ever going to see the Rockets really lean into it. I hope they do. I hope with Udoka, you know, now in the head coach's chair, he finds a way to reach into Alpi's potential that we didn't get to see with Steven Silas last season. But I also don't know if that's the direction ultimately the Rockets want to go, right? I dropped on this podcast last week that we're expecting them to run Jabari Smith Jr. at the five a considerable amount next season. So if you do the math here, if they were going to bring in Brooke Lopez, which didn't ultimately pan out. And if they wanted to run Jabari Smith Jr. at the five a lot, like where exactly would the minutes have come from for Alper and Shingun if that were the case? I'm not saying they would have traded him, but what would his role would have looked like, right? What 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 would have happened with him? Maybe he would have been traded. There's just been this internal recurring thing with this Rockets organization that they internally haven't been as high on him as the fan base has been. And that's been a pretty consistent theme for the past year. So with all that said, and you look at it, you look at his talent, you look at some of the areas that he is, you know, has his shortcomings. I think I have to put him at four on the prospect list. Look, I, there, there's two points I want to make. First is I really don't like just comparing him to Nikola Jokic. I think it's just a disservice to him. And I've thought long and hard about this because I've even tried to use that comparison, but I think it's unfair just to strictly label But, it, but him. it's less the comparison of him like one-to-one to Jokic, right? And more how the Nuggets fully leaned into what Jokic can do, right? How the Kings fully leaned in yes. to what Sabonis can do. It's about it's about basketball philosophy and how those teams decided to approach, A, those players specifically with those similar skill sets to Shingu, not one-for-one one comparisons, yeah. and then also how they built the rosters around those guys, right? And the team identity around those guys. And it took a lot of buy-in for it to happen. Yes, it did. Well, but here's my thing. Let's look at Sabonis' case, for example. 
it took him to bounce around to uh, it took him to go to indiana for them to really slowly lean into that right it took a few years and also by then he was a lot more experienced he had the playing time he got that going um look at Jokic. Jokic took his second third year for them to see the true promise and got him to start right i think with lp he has less buy-in than those guys had absolutely but ultimately it's like i don't think that even the, going to his third year it's about fully giving the ball and giving the keys to lp it's still putting him in situations which clearly what i am saying right now in terms of his ranking has a lot like i said i i'm looking at what i saw from my eyes and it was not it's not fair for me to just say i'm only looking up for what he in terms of how he played he also was not in positions to be successful i've talked long and hard on lor with all of our listeners how the best way in my humble opinion to play Alperin Shangun defensively is on the perimeter where you have him hedging, trapping, or even if you want to switch. Alp can switch. Here's the thing. You put him in late shot clock situations where he is switching onto a ball handler. It's more do or die. And so in the case of if a defender, or sorry, if a ball handler is trying to drive, you bring in a second defender over. Guess what? The shot clock is about to die down anyways. It doesn't matter. So the whole, the whole notion you can't play a certain defense with LP, I think that's bogus because you can and you know what's successful because of his hands and all those different things, right? Now, I made this ranking with the sense of that I believe in LP. I believe he has a high floor. I think he can help a team win. I think he can be in an eight-man rotation and play in a closing lineup. But as of right now, unfortunately, due to what I have seen and, and, and just because of the role and everything, I have to put him at four. And I was very much debating between four and three, but I'm happy to hear LP's gotten taller. And to me, that's a very big deal because if he has a if he has a bigger frame, it's not just about height for me. It's about his frame. If he got taller in terms of one inch, that's an extra inch potentially on his fr- frame where he's a lot more wider. So he can set better screens. He can be a lot more effective on the perimeter. He can be a lot more effective in the paint as a deterrent. Those things matter for me. And if that happens, and like I said, when the, the, this player I was referring to about these rankings can be all flipped with one month of the season. That was Alperin Shingun because if he comes in with that height, with that height and with that extra weight and that bigger frame, I think he can catapult all the way to top two. And Actually, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, so for me, it's like, I, I just want to say, I'm not trying to defend myself in the sense of like, I'm, I don't believe in LP. I think everybody here knows I really like LP and I want him to be successful. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm ranking him this way because it is, it is illustrating how poorly the Rockets have put him in situations to be successful. Yeah, that's been that was one of our biggest gripes this entire past season, right? Is he just it felt like the success that he had pretty much came in spite of the coaching staff, not because of it. And, and so hopefully we do see you know the silver lining to them missing out on Brook Lopez because while I do understand that that Ime Odoka is incredibly excited about what Al P can bring to the table, especially offensively from a playmaking perspective, he's really excited to see what he can accomplish with him. That excitement might have been uh, reduced a little bit had he been able to bring in a Brook Lopez type and really anchor a defense that way and then also using Jabari at the five and switching a lot of actions which we know that Ime Odoka likes to use a switching scheme defensively so that thankfully that's not the path that the Rockets went down they still have Al P he's still basically the designated five moving forward and he has all the runway to basically earn his keep right under a new coaching staff and hopefully a staff that will better um, highlight his strengths and and kind of hide his weaknesses or better at least find ways to mask his weaknesses on the court by putting him in different situations coming up we're going to get to our third second and first rankings on this list we're going to get there in just one moment 
and final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right, we got through six, five, and four. Brings us to three. I'm going to take the lead on this one, Ali Khan. Jalen Green. I also have Jalen Green. There we go. See, I had to wait for a second because at this point, we were going to do like a whole back and forth. I share my points. You share your points. We are... One for one across this whole list so far. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel, Jackson. People have been uh, questioning your basketball IQ. And so it's like. <laughs> You're just like, don't lump me in with this guy. Yeah, don't lump me in with this guy. I know. Well, right? why, why, why is Jalen Green at three? I think J- for me, part of when I was looking at this list, I, I had to heavily factor in the athleticism for one for some of these guys, right? I think that I think the athleticism was part of what why I ultimately put Cam over Tari a little bit. But when you look at what Jalen is currently, we've seen enough of the flashes there, of the playmaking, of the defense when he's locked in, of what he still very clearly should be. And I think a lot of the same arguments that we just applied to Alper and Shingun can actually be applied to Jalen Green as well. The arguments about not being put in positions of success, right? I've maintained for a while that I think Ime Odoka is going to help Jalen Green out the most of any player on this roster. And I also think that the, the additions of Fred Van Vliet and Amin Thompson will also elevate Jalen's game, having capable point guards who have been point guards their whole careers distributing and setting up the offense is going to do wonders for him, right? We saw many a time last season where he'd get iced out of the game offensively. He'd have a great run where he scored multiple buckets in a row, and then he would go multiple possessions without a single touch or being you know involved at all in the offense. And that's problematic for what the guy who's supposed to be your number one option, right? So between Ime setting the table and having an established hierarchy where Jalen Green is likely going to be your number one option next season... I think that he can take a massive leap and I'm not expect I'm not even expecting or needing to see him take a massive leap as far as playmaking goes. I want to see him take a leap with some of the other parts of his game, right? I talked about it in our most recent episode, but Ime said he wants to make Jalen a more well-rounded player, right? That means making him a better playmaker, making him a better defender, right? Getting him to buy in and other elements of his game because we know he can score. We know he's a bucket, right? And hopefully some of that territory also comes with getting him some easier buckets so the efficiency can be a little bit better. But I really think Jalen Green is poised to have the biggest leap of any of the Rockets' core players this next season. Yeah, man. I mean, you came from Vegas. I'm sure you saw this and you heard this, that there was a lot of one-on-one time between Ime Udoka and Jalen Green spending Las Vegas, a lot. And that's by design. Because they know right now, Amen's coming in, Jabbar's going in. But Jalen is the key to this. And I think when Ime talks about the young players are the key to unlocking it, a lot of it is on the shoulders of Jalen Green to be able to be that guy. Because, yes, there, there, there's a whole thing about you know, Kevin Ford Jr. going to challenge him and all those different things. But ultimately, Jalen Green is in a situation where he can he's going to win this starting job. And he's going to have to prove that he can play alongside – Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks and be successful in doing so, right? I think Fred Van Fleet for him is going to unlock a lot. They're going to do a lot of things where they put Jalen kind of in a role where they're off the ball, but they're going to involve him in kind of three-man actions. You're going to see a lot, because we saw this a lot in Boston. We're going to see a lot of one-two pick and rolls where it's a go screen like wiper, where kind of you wipe away the defenders that have a switch or just kind of 
um, kind of running from one side to the other or running a simple just, pick and roll, just some simple guard, guard, guard actions guard to just action. open up easy windows for Jalen. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is him yeah. identifying these these windows that were there at times last season, but that yes. he didn't recognize at times. Like his decision making wasn't quite where it needed to be, and part yes. of that be, was because the offense was always such a cluster that at times I don't even know if he was expecting like the screen to be in the right spot or for him to come off a curl and yeah. ha, you know have the ball delivered in a timely fashion. Now he's not going to have those excuses, right? He's going to have veterans on the floor helping him run the offense, and I, I think again it, this year three is going to be. I hate saying make or break, but I think it's going to be a make or break year for Jalen. It, look, he's out of the weight, and I think the biggest one big issue with him has been consistency, not just efficiency. I think consistency has been a big uh, big issue for him. That he'll have lows through the season, the big waves, right? Well, he'll have great, you know, two three games in a row, and then he'll have a bad kind of three or four game stretch, and it's kind of inconsistent for him. He'll have he'll have a poor start or have a good start to the season, poor a few games here back and forth, and then the end. He always last two seasons he's finished the the season strong, right? Now it's about he's out of the sweep, right? He's close to 195 now. Let's see if that can help him be more conditioned, be a lot more efficient, take more of those bumps and bruises that you get in the NBA setting and be more consistent in a game-to-game basis. And if that happens to me, the number three for him is well well. Be sure to stay tuned in because we should have a very special guest joining the program next week. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, just got to make sure scheduling and everything works out. Um, who has been very close to Jalen throughout his uh, off-season training and workout regimen. So that, sh- that should hopefully be able to shed some light on what Jalen's been working on and what we can hope to see out of him next season. All right, Ali Khan, we are four for four so far. I'll let you take it for prospect number two. Who you got? I have Amen Thompson number two. Ooh, we finally broke the mold. All right. Well, we did pretty good. We were four for four. I have Jabari. Give me your reasoning for Amin Thompson at two. I think it has to do more with my reasoning for Jabari at one. Okay. Um, look, man. Did, did you want a, my reasoning for Jabari at two? Yeah, give me your reasoning. I'll give my reasoning. I think we'll end Because I, I can be very short and sweet with my reasoning. With Jabari at two almost. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's a guard-driven league, man. It's a guard-driven league. And even though I am, I think Jabari has the tools and we've seen it. And, you know, again, obviously you, you don't want to take too much away from a sophomore dumpstering over his competition in, in summer league. But he has, and this is why I've maintained all the way through his pre-draft process. I had him number one on my board. I never wavered on that. I stuck by Jabari through thick and thin the whole time. He has all the skills, right, to be an unstoppable force on both ends of the floor. And we've seen it defensively. We've seen him lock up Giannis in one-on-one situations. We've seen him offensively when he does have it going. We've seen him hit big-time shots. I think he has that, like, that confidence, that swagger, that X factor. And I think at times during his rookie year, he was shaken a little bit. He was shook, right? You know, it, it didn't. It didn't come as easily as basketball had probably come to him for his entire career, transitioning to the NBA. And adjusting to that and understanding how to overcome that was a big part of his rookie year. But when it comes to the mentality, when it comes to everything he brings to the table, offensively, the biggest barrier to him being an offensive phenom was always going to be, well, can he put the ball on the floor and do something with it? And he doesn't have to develop like a Kyrie Irving-esque handle to be effective with the basketball. And we're starting to already see, not even in year two yet, technically, that he's finding ways to be able to put the ball on the floor and be effective. And I think that's only going to get better moving forward. He looks like he's a legit seven feet now. 
Um, so not only is Shingun getting taller, Jabari looks a legit seven foot right now. And I don't know if he's going to be like KD and like try to fudge his numbers on his reported height and weight. So he's like only clocks in at six eleven, but he looks a little bit taller. And uh, it was like I was craning my neck to look up at him. I have to I have to put him at two though because it's a guard driven league. And no matter how good he ultimately becomes, I think guards will continue to run the NBA for the foreseeable future, which is why I put a minute one. You know, a minute one is very interesting, and I, and I fully understand why. I'll go back to Jabari in a second. If you're comparing a man to Jabari, right? If we're just looking at those two in terms of who's the better prospect, just based off of size and who would dominate at their position because of their size and athleticism, who's more likely to do that? A man Thompson. A man Thompson, right? Yeah. But for me, with Jabari, he just unlocks more flexibility from a team building and roster construction perspective. That's something I'm considering while also allowing you to play different styles of basketball. I think he's going to allow you to, you know, if, if you need to give him the ball in a low block as he gets more strength and, and, and size and, and adds to his frame and do stuff with it. He's going to allow you to be able to be a pick and pop there. He's going to allow to be, you to be able to give him the ball and run pick and roll with a bigger or a smaller play. And a big so, part of that, we've, we've talked about this, man. A big part of that is this idea. I mean, coming in, man, I, I thought Jabari was going to be a 3-4 tweener. I really did. Yeah. And I thought he was going to be home, you know, at home at the four. Maybe you play some jumbo size lineups with him at the three. Now, and I think we've kind of felt this way for a while, his future is as a 4-5 tweener, more like a, a Jaron Jackson Jr. And he's a 4 he, He's he, a 4 But he honestly, I mean, as he starts to add more size to his frame, he might down the line, I think I can maybe see a world where he is a full-time five. Maybe not for a few years, but I think I can see it. It's tough, man. I, I just think with his body size and his frame, you want to you want to save that for closing situations or in playoff situations where you're doing things. But for me right now, he's a four because you want him in situations where he's not near the basket. You're seeing right now, even when he, he's added he's added more you know muscle to his chest, he still struggles a little bit. I think that's going to get better over time. But right now, he's better on the perimeter. He's very much like Alpine in that case. So you, you, when he was switching or he's playing the level of screen. He's the reverse of- Triple J. Triple J is better yeah. on the interior and struggles on the perimeter, yeah. but he can do yeah. both. And then Jabari's the similar. He can, He's better on the perimeter, but he struggles on the interior, yeah. but he can still kind of do both. I I, 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 really, I like that example, actually. That's a really good one, Jackson. Um, for, like, and so, like, but going back to what I said about men, a man can dominate and he can be the best at his position, right? I don't think... That may be the case for Jabari, but with the other things that come in play, the defensively, offensively, the different things that he's going to be able to add on, his his size and his frame that he's going to develop into and, and kind of put him in a situation where he can do a lot of different things. For me, he and and how he seems to be a guy who rises up to the moments in, in close games, I think he's a guy to me who has that that high ceiling. Now, not saying a man can't do that. I, I'm really high on a man, I think, from a personality perspective. That he's great. His basketball IQ is through the roof. Yeah. And they say the Jabari. Jabari is good too. Jabari likes to do too much at times because he he knows like he, he understands the game. I think he but that goes back to last season when he overhelps when he does things because he tries to do too much. Right. A man very composed, very poised, which is going to help him a lot. Great athleticism, can use both hands, likes to go to his left. The only thing that's a flaw with him right now in terms of something he has to start doing now is shooting. And if he does that, sky's the limit for him to not just be an all-star player, but like I said, a potentially high-level guy. But I have not seen him play enough yet 
for me to be able to kind of showcase that. And you can make the argument, hey, Ali Khan, your whole your whole way you've been judging this thing is, is flawed. You know what? Yeah, because I put Cam at five for saying the same thing. I could put Amen very well at five, too, because I haven't seen him play enough. But just based off of right now, with the whole Jalen and LP situation and and how the skills that I've seen that Jabari has has grown and gotten better at. It's not one of those dribbles where he's added where it's kind of like getting away from his body. You know, it's it's a good dribble, man. It's close to his body. He's has contained of it. He has control of his dribble, which is good. Amen. Great things, man. His his decision making is fantastic. And so for those two reasons, you can make either choice who's one or two. But for me right now, in terms of ceiling and high ceiling and who I believe can be those cores who can get that get to that superstar level and not just superstar superstar level, but best player on a championship team level. I think it's those two guys. You can figure out which one you want to pick. But for me right now, it's Dubai. Yeah. And, and one other thing to consider when it comes to Amin Thompson, right? And just again, the way the NBA is built right now is. You have you have guys who are the focal point of a team, right? The engine, the guy who the the person who you know the the straw that stirs the drink, whatever different analogies, phrases you yeah. want to use to describe it. That's what Amin Thompson is, and Jabari is probably not ever going to be that guy. He might be that guy who can do it situationally. I agree. He might play make occasionally, right? Jabari is the Kevin Durant if you will, right? Maybe his peak is like being the tip of the spear offensively, and you can run stuff through him, but you need engines you need the guys who are going to keep the train humming along and i think a men is going to be able to do that at a very elite level while also providing you like he might have the chance to be an insane two-way demon at the nba level it's it's really going to be something insane to watch his career trajectory and see what he ultimately becomes our our little like bonus question here ali khan because i feel like we might be on the same page on this one while we went off track there just momentarily if you had to pick which two need to pan out or if you could guarantee that two of these six prospects panned out i think i'm going with the top two on our respective lists which is amin thompson and jabari smith jr are you defer are you deferring from that at all or are you sticking with those two if you could pan out or guarantee that two of them pan out so i i, I think yes i think those two because they solidify two important parts of your roster construction right you get the four, potentially the five in a, in a small ball or closing lineup situation, then you have the one who's your engine, right? And um, I will say some of the, you just talked about lineup versatility with Jabari. I think Amin actually gives you lineup versatility as well, right? Because he can be, yeah, he does. He can basically be, even if he's, if he's running your offense, you can run your offense with him and you could defensively slot him at the one, the two or the three, right? Maybe even down the line as he bulks up a small ball for potential, whatever, like he just, he gives you some flexibility to where you don't have to worry about, okay, he's the one, he's the point guard. He's the smallest guy on the floor, or we have to hide him defensively. Like you don't have to worry about any of that with him. And, and that's why this conversation is so much fun, Jackson. We're just having fun. We're talking with our biases. Sh- Shingoon well, fans weren't having fun in segment two. I'll tell you that much. No, no, no. I, I don't think that's, I think honestly, we gave some good arguments. And ultimately, I think we did a good job of portraying what the situation is currently like in the whole Schengen conversation. So uh, I, I'm, I'm fine with the process of our conversation there. But ultimately, this is about fun. This is a fun conversation. I think every single Rockets fan should have this conversation with their friends, with other Rockets fans. It's just healthy. It's what we're going to do in the offseason, right? We had a very exciting time watching these guys play in summer league, right? It's okay to overreact. It's okay to be like, oh, man, I'm all in on this guy. That's what it means to be a fan. So if anybody tells you don't do it, nah, man, enjoy your conversations. Enjoy this. You may disagree with us, but you know what the beauty is? 
we all look at team construction, roster construction, and player ceilings in different ways. Jackson really put a premium on Amen Thompson and his ability to be an engine. I put more premium on the overall game of Jabari and what he can do, right? It's it's different things we all value, but if we come out and we have these conversations and we're open with our biases or things that you know we're guilty of kind of valuing more than others, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good conversation. So, Jackson, I want to say a lot of fun. I appreciate you for kind of indulging this back and forth that we had. Even though we were pretty, we were pretty close for. Uh, we pretty much were. I, I was expecting like much more of a debate, honestly, and then it just kind of like again we went kind of chalk like across the board for so many of our picks. I, I but you you didn't confirm right? before we wrap this thing up. So you, would you go with Amin Thompson and Jabari Smith Jr. as your two if you could if you could guarantee two of them hit, two of them pan out of the six or of the two that need to pan out the most? Oh, in terms of needing to pan out, needing to pan out, I think Jabari. And amen. Now, I think ultimately, if somebody, if you had two guys pan out, honestly, it'd be Jalen and amen. I think ultimately, building like you said, a guy, two guards or that would be that would be insane, right? Potentially, the most athletic backcourt in NBA history. Yeah, who can kind of pretty much dictate the whole basketball game. And if they hit both their hit their defensive ceilings and also their offensive ceilings, that's a dynamite offensive duo Um, and dynamite duo overall. So. I think that that's a really fun one to also think about too. But for me, it's it's Jabari Mamed. And a quick little Easter egg for all of our YouTube view. Oh well, it, as I, as I'm pressing stupid buttons, um, you got the Windows notification in the background. But I had to rename you to Overreactionary Bajani on your graphic on the lower third. I had to whip that together real quick uh, before we wrapped up this episode. But Ali Khan, you know the drill. Overreactionary Bajani. Let everyone know where they can track you down at. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider. Tell me if you disagree. Um, I'm here to listen, man. I'm, I, I really appreciate the conversations we all have and no ill will. So if you disagree with me, if you agree with me, let's have a conversation. Definitely want to learn from your perspectives. That's what makes this a lot more fun. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Drop your thoughts in the YouTube comments. Drop your rankings of the Rockets' core six draftees from the rebuild process. Let us know which two need to pan out in the comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.